Pod Me If You Can, I'm Ben Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And here on Pod Me If You Can, we talk about films. And uh, today's film is Passion. It's Brian De Palma's latest film. And uh, as an aging director, we, we are worried he may not get another one in. There's nothing in development. There's nothing, uh, you know, slated for him in the near future. So we're just grabbing onto the last one he's done. Passion from 2012. Um, 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It's not really been very well received, but uh, before we get onto that, um, what is your favorite Brian De Palma that's a, film? That's what? a really good question. Uh, a lot of people are going to assume I'm going to say Blowout, but my actual favorite Brian De Palma film is The Untouchables, probably his most commercial one. I love The Untouchables. I love the whole group in that. I love. Um, I think it's Robert De Niro plays the villain. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But how he hits the baseball bat over the guys. Oh, fan- most memorable scenes. And I love the team in that. I think Brian De Palma is an incredible talent. Um, he's part of that movie Brad era with, um, you know, uh, Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola. He's an insane talent. No one moves the camera like him. He's a big student of alfred hitchcock and people criticize him often because he employs alfred hitchcock techniques and like everything such as you know dress to kill which is just vertigo and a whole bunch of other hitchcock movies thrown in you can see it in his lighting i mean it's it's in his camera setups yeah yeah he but i just think since mission impossible he's just been really undisciplined with a lot of his work my biggest issue with passion was i loved it everything about i was invested so much into it just a quick word we will be talking with spoilers <laughs> i should mention that before i let you say the thing you're gonna say if you haven't seen passion starring rachel mcadams and numi rapace we are going to be getting into it here. we're gonna be spoiling it a lot <laughs> but carry on yeah like femme fatale and this film i I, I get so enticed with his movies. I'm like, wow, what's going to happen next? And just how the performance he gets out of it's just so... Out of all the actors he gets, it's just interesting. And all the situations, the murder, everything. And then the last 10 minutes, it's like it take, he takes that left turn. And it's just like, oh, what was the point of investing all that time, you know? Yeah. yeah the ending is interesting. <laughs> we'll obviously get to that. But um, often I feel like when actors and actresses work with Brian De Palma, that it's just checking off a list uh, that perhaps, you know, Rachel McAdams, Numira Pass, whoever, uh, says in their lifetime, in their career, they want to work on a Brian De Palma film. That's a, a really Spielberg good point, film, yeah. You know? um, they just sort of maybe have that kind of in the back of the mind. They talk to the agents. The agents say, what do you want to do? You're already an A-lister. You know, you're working on whatever you want to work on. What kind of scripts can I get you? They must have some, you know, uh, affection for what Brian De Palma has done in the past. Personally... I loved Scarface, 1983, the year I was born. And just like, uh, I've been watching this gradual decline. I saw Femme Fatale a few years ago, 2002, um, and Passion more recently, 2012, and just kind of this really hit and miss. You didn't like Mission to Mars? (laughs) (laughs) I I also love Kalito's way. uh, um, And yeah, (laughs) I really want to see Wise Guys. I haven't got around to seeing that. Well, Snake Eyes and Mission to Mars got theatrical releases the black dahlia got theatrical release it's femme fatale and passion that have been more straight to dvd and they seem like they maybe have been made in a european country where he's been able to secure financing you know it's just sort of that vibe you get that he's, he's kind of out of the system yeah he is, yeah. yeah and it's it's interesting um but i think passion which is based on a french film called crime d'amour which translates as love crime from 2010 so it's really not that long ago they must have seen that film come out 
and then immediately have said, let's get the rights, let's do a remake, we'll make an American remake. But it seems like neither of us have seen Love Crime, we should preface this, but um, it seems like it doesn't translate as well, like it's kind of off. That um, scenes where uh, Rachel McAdams is sitting on a sofa in lingerie talking on the phone, those scenes were probably lifted from the original. But that seems more of a European thing. Yeah, it doesn't seem like an American woman would do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's it's strange because the character Rachel McAdams plays, I find it very difficult to believe her. Um, I've seen too many Rachel McAdams rom-coms and uh, too many... Oh, love rom-coms, Lloyd. Just like <laughs> uh, too many, you know, um, nice girl performances, you know, to um, then sort of see her as this CEO with, you know aggressive tendencies and you know uh in this kind of thriller environment yeah i'm not sure it works i was thinking um we've talked about her in about time we've seen numi rapace in prometheus if you swapped the actresses over i might have believed reg mcadams as the more up-and-coming you know uh junior who's learning to manipulate the system and learning to you know um yeah, I guess, climb the corporate ladder. Yeah, it um, seems like Rachel McAdams wants her Cameron Diaz role from Any Given Sunday or from a movie we just talked about, The Counselor, um, type thing. I actually thought she did an okay job, but I can perfectly see the reversal would have worked in each of their strengths. Like, I think um, both actresses accepted the role because they really wanted to be pushed to do something different. I think often that's yeah something like Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love sort of works. Mm-hmm. He's moved away from comedy, he's doing a drama. Often, though, I think people watch that and they think, I'm going to laugh at this. You yeah. Know? And they're sort of laughing anyway when he sort of says, you know, um, I'm going to... And your face is so great, I am just want to squeeze it or smash it or whatever he says. You know, he's just got those issues and stuff. But sometimes people can't do it yet. Yeah. Um, I think my issue was more with Rachel McAdams than Numi Rapace. Yeah. Um, she seems more like a chameleon, like she can fit into any... She's such a great actress, whereas I guess Rachel McAdams just been so... You know, she is that rom-com girl, as you said, so she struggles to break out of it. Do you think she'll get more roles like this from this um, movie? Well, it's it's not well-received. Yeah. It seems like this is one of those blips that will be forgotten and buried and, and, like, you know, in years to come, you won't be able to find it on DVD. It'll be one of those ones that wasn't mass-produced. Um, we have had several actresses like that who've been the rom-com girl and then they've had that one role that's completely broken through. I want to say Cameron Diaz again. I think before that she was just the model girl or well, the girlfriend. she girl was in The Mask first. She yeah. Was, you know, just the girl in The yeah, Mask. Yeah, the really. pretty face. And then yeah. I think it was Any Given Sunday that went, wow, you know, and then she went back to me, my... Oh. So there's something about Mary and a whole bunch of other films like that, but she's really good in those type of roles. She she tends to flip a little more. There's been some more serious roles from her. Uh, she did My Sister's Keeper, I think mm. it was, or um, uh, I don't know, In Her Shoes, that's yeah. what it is, which is like the drama with Tony Collette. So having more of a dramatic you know, uh, build-up kind of thing, I think. Rachel seems she can pick anything. Like We would think, like we were saying, you know, her like, agent would say to yeah. her, what do you want to do? Because yeah. obviously The Notebook was very successful for her. You know, she was the girl in Wedding Crashes. You know, she's been in a bunch of very commercially successful films. Um, it just seems like, like I said, this is maybe ticking a box sort of thing. Um, obviously, people want to work with Brian De Palma. You know, yeah. you want to be in his films. Yeah. But it seems like... We'll just jump to the ending real quick. The way that he's done this film, he's built something up with this drug. And uh, 
Numi Rapasa's character is on this drug and therefore whatever happens may or may not be real. First of all, you get these kind of flashes of fantasy sequences and this insane lighting, you know. And, and it's literally waking up from, oh, thank goodness that's over, then turning over and realising you're in this situation. Twice. They did just, that twice, too. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know if she's in prison, then she wakes up like it's all a dream, and then she doesn't know if she's killed someone, she wakes up sort of thing, and, like, just these repetitive, I don't know, like like the dream rule uh, with the alarm clock. Yeah. Thing. Do you want to just repeat that? Yeah. Um, apparently script writing 101, because I did script writing at school, I don't put too much stock in the rules, but the biggest thing we were told is, one, never open with an alarm clock, and two, never end with, it was all a dream. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if this movie broke that first rule, but it definitely broke the second rule several times. <laughs> um, look, this film uh, here's sort of maybe something that doesn't play well uh it seems unnatural that first of all um rachel mcadams fair enough she has like a sexual appetite right she's got a guy that comes around and does whatever she wants yeah wears masks has, yep. yeah falls around with weird toys yeah, yeah and there's a certain level of um uh, what do you call it interest for that at the moment with the 50 shades of gray yep. you know development and um she's a high maintenance girl top of the food chain like she's a very strong woman you know she took credit right in front of her her star um employee for work that she had done yep and um she gets what she wants she gets what she wants yeah and she's got a huge sexual appetite yeah she wants someone else to take control sexually i think you know there's certain elements of her life so we've decided that's the character right fair enough um she wants to see if she can get her subordinate, you know, Numi Rapace to, like, kiss her and stuff. Yeah. And then there's also another lesbian character who works there, and all this sort of seems like a bit the, of a stretch. Yeah, like which came hiring... in too much at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and... I like it how it, that, that her number one employee was, like, this pet. Um, yeah. And she was putting in this web just playing games with her. That was really interesting. Like, like it's implied she's done this several times to other employees to get to that, you know, you just get this huge amount of backstory that's implicit 22 minutes into the film there's this creepy i love you which is too soon like sort of regardless of the sort of yeah it seems very european doesn't Mm. it yeah why can't you just say it she says you know and she just is kind of spinning webs and like says she has a twin sister and so forth is that didn't really pay off (laughs) it's just a weird kind of hell she does have a twin sister at the funeral (laughs) kind of quick shot and she wants to be admired. Now she wants to be loved. She kisses Rooney Mara. Like, 20 minutes into the film, you're getting this kind of massive sexual harassment kind of <laughs> boss vibe. But I don't think that um, Numi Rapace is really into it, is she? No, she doesn't seem it. So, at some point, you would think that she would stop her sort of thing. I feel like we should be talking with the character names. <laughs> Just because... Um, yeah, Numi Rapace plays Isabel. Rachel McAdams plays Christine. Yeah. All right, we'll try it that way. <laughs> often, often I feel like we're doing this where we're just talking about them as if they're the actors. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah, there's been some films we've done on this podcast where at the end of the film I couldn't tell you the person's name. Like, <laughs> I, I never remember the names. Like the counsellor, like in the counsellor. Well, it, per- it was the best name. You don't have to remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that guy who the movie was named yeah. for. <laughs> um. Did you like the ad for Coke, where she drives into the Coke machine? <laughs> <laughs> what about the ad for Apple? <laughs> oh, the constant ads for Apple. Everyone in this movie 
oh, almost everyone had an Apple laptop computer, and it, there is even a shot where it zooms in on the laptop um, and zooms out. It's obviously for because she's about to do something on that laptop, but it's just such a a slogan for buy Apple products. <laughs> we had a sponsorship arrangement with Apple. That's what, what it says to what me. What was the phone? Um, I like the advert of the phone. How the camera in the yeah, back the camera jeans. in the back. That was a cool idea. But what was the company? It wasn't Apple. It wasn't. It was just some weird third party company. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really notice the phone brand, yeah. so that wasn't clear. But they had her ad when they launch it virally gets ten million views in five hours. Obviously, you know. Going viral is what people want in the marketing world. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, they want people to do the work for them. One of the famous viral ads, uh, Dumb Ways to Die, the Metro Trains one in Melbourne. Um, It got millions of views worldwide, you know, basically became a phenomenon, won awards, like multiple advertising awards. Um, This is what people want in advertising agencies. Short of that one campaign, I wasn't sure what their company did. (laughs) Because they had you know meetings and sat around judging from your office and your and her obviously her living room i guess you're very successful <laughs> what did you think of dirk now this is the only real male character you get here yeah, it was played by paul anderson a british actor um and he was a drunk throughout the whole film pretty much yeah and he's also kind of first off he's trying to you know uh, there's some sexual gratification going on then there's He's been embezzling from the company and she's been covering it, but then she's not going to cover it anymore and he gets really drunk. And then for some reason, when he sleeps with uh, Isabel in London, he records it. And initially I thought it was just so he'd have some blackmail material, but then he kind of immediately hands it over to Christine and that really wasn't well sort of done. It was weird. I felt there was this implication that um, Rachel McAdams, Christine set this up the whole entire time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that that was really clear, though. No, it wasn't clear at all, but it just had that feeling like this is part of a web, you know? Like I would have liked to have seen a scene where uh, maybe Dirk and Christine, Rachel McAdams, had a conversation and there was some exposition, more so than just those cryptic kind of, I can't talk to you nows, you know, like, yeah... It made a very frustrating film because half the film you're watching going, I don't know what's going on, you know, and uh, the narrative not being very clear is sort of what makes me think this wasn't commercially successful, that it wasn't theatrically released, you know. It's too strange, too hard to follow. I mean, look, the sexual element, there's, you know, it's kind of divides your audience a little more. Some people don't want to see that. But then to take away, like, any kind of good narrative... You're just hoping people watch it on the strength that they like these actresses. Because they're the, they're the names. They're the, there's not much else, you know, to go and see this for. Brian De Palma, Numi um, Rapace, and uh, Rachel, Rachel McAdams. McAdams. If you don't know the three of them, you're not going to watch this film, are you? Did you like it the whole way, or, or was it from... Which point did you dislike it? Uh, I think I just found it quite frustrating because yeah. of the lack of information... But then it's called Passion, right? And they've taken a new title on because Love Crime, which I knew it was based on a film called Love Crime. I was expecting, obviously, there will be a crime. So I was thinking at certain points, um, one of them would kill the other, you know, when uh, she winds up in prison um, sort of thing. So I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. I just felt like the build-up was not great. And... (laughs) 
Look, the, like you say, the whole, it's all the dream bits make you really angry. Yeah. The ending can be really frustrating too. Because I was actually really hooked. Uh, something about the music, the way it was told, the actri- actress is doing a really great job. Um, up until that ending where I just felt short change of like, oh, there's a twin now. Wait, are we still in a dream? Are we in a flashback in a flashback? Yeah. <laughs> I, I invested so much into it. I was like, wow. And then I just feel ripped off. I guess uh, I'm just disappointed just with the ending but uh, it's still a good showcase for Brian De Palma's skills like I think you know that you're in a nightmare when the lighting changes to that web-like look yeah all the interiors are lit as if blinds are over the lights and you're getting this cross shadows everywhere and the Venetian blind look of the Venetian blind look yeah it's very which, Hitchcockian yeah it's very Hitchcockian very 40s-esque um, of those noirs of the 40s and 50s and yeah, I think you know that you're in a nightmare there. And I, I sensed something was wrong and the music was changing as well. And yeah, it just became very bizarre at that point. So I went with it. And then to wake up and then to wake up and then to not answer stuff. I just, if it was straight, it would have been so much more successful. That's why I always say Untouchables is my favorite because it was so, so straightforward, you yeah. know. And Scarface as well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just told the tale, start to finish. Yeah, just- and you and he, you, we all know you're great, bro. Maybe it's a case he's so good and so talented, he just gets bored with traditional narrative. She's like, oh, yeah, can we just end it with something else? It's always going to be this person gets away or these people end up. Let's just end it this way. You Maybe know? he's seen that other people have been successful with this and he's just trying something different, sure. but it's not working. No. Because, I mean, yeah, I don't think I don't think the title works, Passion. I feel like um, some of the performances were a bit hit and miss. I think that scene where she's laughing maniacally. Um, oh, yeah. You know, at the party, I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> It hadn't been long enough for her to go insane, I think, you know, about it and sort of flip. But then you find out that she's, like, bought an identical scarf. There's this video that the red-headed, uh, you know, assistant has been following her. Which is, which is weird. weird that she's following her. But <laughs> and she's filming her buying the scarf. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. She's just making, like, an obsessive kind of film about her boss, basically. Um, but as well as filming her doing all of that stuff, um, it all happens to come together because it's all elements of a murder, which, yeah, uh, when you found out that Isabel was, you know, planning this epic kind of murder and that there was, you know, that she was the villain. Yeah, and and she was faking popping pills and everything like that, yeah. That that other girl, she had to try the pills, though, which is pretty weird as well. to find out that they did nothing like oh, i'll just try these pills <laughs> you know there's a lot you have to accept in this strange reality um and now i'm actually quite interested to see how the french film was yeah i, th- I- i'm hoping it'll be much more straightforward and it could it could have been it would show what it could have been passion it could have been brian de palma back and i don't want to say he's ever lost it because clearly his craftsmanship's still there it's not it's not gone anywhere and he knows how to get a great performance out of the actors it's just a case of being disciplined and um i don't know just 
just sticking to what what's normal. <laughs> it's, it's, a, no, it's a different direction. He's trying to be artistic. Yeah, but. well, Lynch. If you watch um, Lost Highway, and that's a film that just goes into crazy schizophrenic mode, but you go with it because you know you're in a nightmare from the get go. In this film, to invest all that time and for, for you to take a left turn the last three minutes is is too much. You know, it's it's just. Oh, okay. You know, if if I knew this was going to be a film like that from the get-go, then maybe I could have accepted it, but mm. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's that's the problem with this, is that you don't know what it is until it's too late and you've watched it as well. Um, I find that, well, Rachel McAdams' character used the C word. Uh, she also <laughs> says dyke. She, she's meant to sound more powerful, you know. Um, and there's that scene where... She goes to kiss the red-headed assistant, Danny, and then kind of rips her top and says, I believe I've been sexually assaulted. You know, like, uh, who are you going to believe? You know, the boss or whatever. I just watched that, and the first thing I thought was, it's just not as powerful as that scene in Fight Club where Edward Norton beats himself up, <laughs> you know, and just like, smashes himself through the glass coffee table, and then yeah. they walk in at the perfect moment kind of thing. I was like, this just does not work. And part of it was probably the dialogue and part of it was probably Rachel McAdams using curse words not really selling her character for me you know like everything seemed a bit forced and and uh yeah that was my real struggle I think you know that I would have switched the actresses so So that was the scene that killed it for you I think uh, probably before that I was I was like I'm not sure I buy Rachel McAdams as yeah this villainous boss that you want to kill off sort of thing Mm -hmm. um Maybe they could have done more things with humiliation and she could have been humiliating other staff members and it could have been like people were more afraid of her or something. Like, they didn't really give us enough time to hate her. At 20-something minutes, you know, she's sort of kissing people. And and that's the other thing. I think, you know, uh, there was probably a time where girls kissing each other was edgy, you know, but it's 2013 now. (laughs) It's just kind of not really you know that yeah. risque and yeah. you're not breaking any more boundaries Brian <laughs> yeah it's not I didn't feel the passion which, <laughs> which is quite a problem for yeah. this film um look the scarf got way more play than I thought it would <laughs> just having multiple scarves and stuff. <laughs> um, I like the mask that was pretty cool and it was moulded to a face and the idea that he would have to wear that mask during sex is that she loves herself so much she wants to see herself make love to her that was all implicit it wasn't yeah. shown but that, i thought that was really cool and it's a bit of poetry how she kills her with the mask on like, like yeah she's killing herself yeah like, like she's, she's killing herself. herself yeah exactly because she's created that monster and it's herself that's killing her yeah yeah but i mean <laughs> that's <laughs> I, I guess maybe films like this maybe aren't made to be commercially successful yeah. but as well i think it does uh, dilute the great films that Brian De Palma's done because to a certain extent I think um, you know you make a great film from time to time and then everyone says that person's great Yeah. but then if you make a string of failures I mean we talked about Soderbergh on uh, episode 75 Yeah. You know, he makes a string of failures and like commercially unsuccessful films I guess that's figuring out what doesn't work before having the one that does Yeah. it's just that this is so late in Brian De Palma's career and also thinking he's already done so many hit films he knows what works he knows this doesn't work but he's, it's still happening anyway you yeah know I mean? tarantino is very conscious of 
directors having making their worst films after 65 and he wants to retire like he's on the verge of retiring like a couple of films and that's it and he said the reason is because all his favorite filmmakers their last several films are awful they hit an age and yeah they just can't get it. i don't want to believe that i still think clint eastwood's making great movies i'm sure michael mann and ridley scott are going to come out with guns you know um guns blazing and all that but yeah like Brian Department isn't showing any signs of <laughs> Yeah, I found myself not liking this film more and more <clears throat> as it went on. You mentioned the ending. I felt like the dream sequence leading up to the ending was a series of shots that would look good in a trailer. Yeah. Where um, she ducks down to pick something up and Rachel McAdams' character is behind her and that lighting. She's going to choke her with the scarf. Yeah. A series of shots that I thought these would be all in the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer, but I assume most of the dream sequence stuff made it in. You know? Um, it's all beautifully shot. It's just separate from the film in a way. And then ha- having a wake up like that. Yeah. that it's, it's a dream. It's a dream. But then the final shot we get, she sits up. It's a dream. Yeah. But the redhead has been choked to death. And yeah. there's a corpse next to her bed. Which implies there's something wrong with her mentally and all the rest of it. Um, and we're not really sure what's reality and what's what. Um, the only dream sequence where she wakes up that worked for me was the first one in the prison sequence where she wakes up oh, I'm at home but she's actually in prison I thought that was great that's it just use that and that's it rest straightforward but yeah it just goes on and on having an additional dream sequence yeah and I like the um, <clears throat> scene where she where like she's telling her second the, her secretary Danny um, yeah go home I'll call a taxi and yeah. then she shuts down the laptop and puts the cup and then the sweeteners and then we get the slow zoom in the music and then she reveals i've been following you the whole time i thought that was really cool that little moment there yeah. i just thought it looked just the image of her filming her at a shop just looks stupid to me <laughs> I it was a cool technique like the camera dollies in on the camera and then the the, the footage becomes what we're watching but it just looks so dumb as someone's from a yeah <laughs> you could have you had danny be a photographer and be following her and taking photos. Showed her by the thing, you know, but they went with the, you know, uh, what do you call it, camera phone idea because of the ad and yeah. because it's trying to be kind of cool and modern, I guess. But I'm wondering now if Crime D'Amour did something different, like if it was a video camera or, a, yeah, the camera phone thing, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah I want to watch sure it now. <laughs> We're going to have to watch it, aren't we? Yeah. Um, from Wikipedia, I just wanted to read something out. Passion Scream screened. In competition at the 69th Venice International Film Festival in September 2012, Metrodome, the film's UK distributor, sent the film straight to DVD and video on demand, stating that Brian De Palma has an inbuilt fan base, but a genre like this can be difficult to release theatrically. It is a turbulent theatrical market, and we felt this was the best way to launch the film to UK audiences. So I feel like that's probably the pattern that went worldwide seeing this film and then saying how do we sell this film you know um it would be quite an investment to yeah you know fly actors around and just kind of try and make this yeah make the best of what they've got because they want to make their money back having an inbuilt fan base is an interesting way of putting it because like i said you're watching this film because a brian de palma yep b reg mcadams c nimi rapace so that's the reasons you would seek this out and that's the reasons you would find it maybe you've uh, listened to us talk about it on this podcast and now you're thinking 
That maybe sounds stupid. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, I'll check that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I still recommend if you're a Brian De Palma fan, go check it out because all his craftsmanship's there. So if you're a film nerd, go check it out. I'm sure there's a million things you could pick up from watching this and employ in your films or your projects. It's just, I just feel he's he cheated me a bit with the ending and I just felt all that time and love and investment I had at the whole beginning, middle and towards the end just went out the window with that left turn. And I think this is a trend he's doing. Maybe he's bored, as we discussed, with with modern narrative and he wants to do something different. But uh, I don't know. I, I, it's just so annoying how this is a great story. This is a great idea. Come on, make it work. And then pulls out the rug from under me. I just felt shortchanged. And look, audiences love endings, which means it's the last thing they're going to see before they walk out of the cinema. Or in this case, take off their headphones at home after <laughs> they've just watched it on iTunes. Um so having that final shot be something to talk about with friends and like you know having kind of that twist ending i mean i can see what he was trying to do Mm. but it doesn't salvage how sort of wishy-washy the rest of the film was you know um and to the point where you're just kind of not attaching yourself to any of the characters yeah you know you think to yourself when she reverses in her car and smashes back into a pole that she'll probably stop there and get out of the car or turn off the <laughs> she car. Goes, but then she goes forward into a the coke machine. machine. <laughs> yeah. Is this yeah. a European thing? <laughs> yeah, I just... I felt like that it was very unnatural and that probably as a European film it would work, there would be more things in there that... I'm, I'm wondering how much has been changed mm. and I'm thinking that might be a nice comparison for the future. <laughs> It's what happens when these Americans take our films and remake them. <laughs> what accent were you going for? I don't know, French or something. <laughs> it's a French film, wasn't it? Apparently, yeah. yeah. Crime de <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Passion, obviously, on DVD, video on demand. You can find it in the iTunes store. That's how you watched it, Lloyd. Yeah, that's right. So uh, if you guys are Brian De Palma films or Rachel, uh, films fans uh, or Rachel McAdams or Numi Rapace fans, that's probably the reason that you will seek this out definitely all right thanks guys all the best